0: AstroLine, AstroLine. This is 790 Astro Line. Presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Astro line. Your official preseason show of the Houston Astros. Way out of here. Swing and a miss. Let's talk Astros baseball. Call 713 212 5790. That's 713 212 5790.
1: Goals to win championships. It's a lot of work, a
0: lot of commitment. Live from Duffy Sports Grill in West Palm Beach, Florida, this is 790 Astro Live. And greetings from Duffy Sports Grill of Clematis. We're in West Palm Beach, downtown West Palm for another edition of Astro Line, presented by Carbock Brewing Company. I'm Robert Ford, radio broadcaster for the Astros. Astros playing earlier today up in Jupiter, defeating the St. Louis Cardinals 3-0. Some great pitching in that, as you'd imagine, with a shutout. And the Astros able to pick up another spring win uh, in that game against the St. Louis Cardinals. Take on the Mets tomorrow in Port St. Lucie, Florida. And the Astros starter for that game tomorrow joins me now, Astros pitcher Joe Musgrove. Making an appearance on Astro Line. Good to see you, Joe. Thanks
1: for stopping by. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, you should be pretty familiar with the Mets, at least in spring training. This will be your third spring start. All of them have been against the New York Mets. I guess that's what's going to happen, too. The Mets just up the road in Port St. Lucie. You can see them and the Cardinals and the Nationals and the Marlins a
1: lot. Yeah, seeing quite a few of the same teams. But, um, you know, it's nice. It's a good little challenge and something for me to kind of stay on my toes, kind of facing the same hitters over and over, get me ready for season. So I'm, I'm, I'm good with it.
0: You threw three shutout innings on Saturday, your last appearance uh, against the Mets. And, uh, you know, spring training, obviously, you're working on things and trying to get better. But I'd imagine it's also just getting stretched out and just getting that stamina back and getting used to to going deeper in the game.
1: Yeah, trying to get into that pitching shape. You know, in the offseason, there's not too many times where you'll get up there and throw 50, 60-plus pitches off the bump, you know, so... Um, You know, it's all about getting the body ready and making sure everything's feeling right and that I'm healthy going into the year. Um, And then as these next few starts come down, as we get closer to season, you know, I'll start bearing down on the things I really want to lock in before we get going. Is this year's camp different for you? Because, I mean,
0: last year you came into camp and, you know, you had been the Astros minor league pitcher of the year in in 2015. And uh, you obviously want to see what you could do, but. It was a little different than now when you're really competing for a spot. I mean, last year, I mean, you know, they always say everybody in camp has a chance to win Mm -hmm. a spot, but that's not necessarily true. But this year, I mean, you're fighting for that for one of those spots in the in the rotation. So is it a little different vibe for you in this camp because of what you can accomplish?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's you know the way the way it breaks down like that. It is a little there's a little more on the line. But um, you know, I try I'm trying to go in with the same mentality and just do what I need to do to prepare myself and not look too far into the future. You know. Um, I still got to be ready for opening day, whether it's in the minor leagues or in the major leagues. So I'm trying to do everything I can to, you know, prepare myself for that day.
0: Talking with Astros pitcher Joe Musgrove, and you, you get to camp this year, as I mentioned, competing for a spot. And it's a, it's a different team. I mean, obviously a lot of the same guys are back, including yourself. But uh, adding some veterans, particularly on the position player side with Brian McCann and uh, Carlos Beltran coming over. And also adding Charlie Morton, who certainly has plenty of experience in the big leagues on, on the pitching side. Is the vibe, is the mood in the clubhouse different? Do you Can you sense things, a little different, expectations are a little different this year than last year in camp?
1: Yeah, expectations are really high this year, but I think we all embrace them. You know, we all know we've got a really good team, and um, everyone's really excited to see what we can put together. You know, there's a lot of different um, different viewpoints you're getting in that clubhouse, even from, you know, guys like McCullers who've had a couple of years in, sure. in Correa to guys like Beltran and, you know, the older guys that have been around a while, so... Um, we got a really good mix, and there's a lot of young talent on this team. It's going to be cool to get some of the older guys that have been around and done it a while to kind of show us the ropes.
0: Big League camp last year. Anybody take you under their wing? Anybody that you you found yourself really leaning on to to try and just kind of figure out how things work?
1: Yeah, um, I was lockered next to uh, McHugh, and he, you know, he was really good with me. Kind of showed me the ins and outs. Gregerson showed me the ins and outs of some things, you know. But there's so many different you know vibes around that clubhouse so i tried to bounce around as much as i could and kind of grab a little bit from everybody there
0: talking with joe musgrove and uh you know this offseason you were you're from san diego you were in san diego this offseason yeah i was in san diego so what? Uh, anything in particular that you, you really wanted to work on after getting that taste of the big leagues? Obviously last year making 16, of, or well, you had 16 games of the minors, but 11 games, 10 starts in the in the big leagues last year. After getting an idea of what you what to expect, what you saw, was there anything in particular you went into this offseason se- season saying you wanted to work on?
1: Yeah, you know, I wanted to sharpen up some of my breaking balls and, and you know be able to locate them a little better. I've always felt pretty good with my slider, but my changeup and curve balls always have always been you know secondary to me. So, um, yeah, I had some success with it last year, and especially getting up into the big leagues and facing some of those hitters over and over. You know, i got to have different things to show them to you know, kind of save a weapon for the second, third time around in the lineup. So, <clears throat> you know, I worked on, on fine-tuning those pitches, but for me it was kind of building up stamina. You know, I've never had to go 162 games and, you know, into the postseason like we plan to do this year. So um, for me it was just kind of getting the stamina up and building my body up and preparing myself to be healthy throughout a full season. You mentioned you have a curveball and a slider, which is a little unique.
0: A lot of pitchers have one or the other, rather than both. It's, it can be difficult to maintain a curveball and a slider over the course of a game, over the course of a season. How do you how do you work the two? Is it one of those things where if one's on, you use that more, and maybe don't use the other as much on a particular day?
1: Yeah, you know, every time I go out to the bullpen before a game, I try to you know rank my pitches in an order of one to four, and what's best that day, what's worst that day, and you know me and the catcher will get on the page and the same page and. You know, we'll go from there. So, if the curveball's better than the slider that day, we'll usually tend to favor that one a little more. Um, you know, I have tendencies on what I like to throw to righties and what I like to throw to lefties, so that'll depend a little bit. But, you know, I like to have options. And um, if it gets to the point where, you know, I have two average pitches instead of, you know, one really good pitch, then I'll have to, you know, shorten it down to down to one. But right now, I feel pretty good with both of them. So, you mentioned
0: one of the changes the Astros made this offseason, bringing in Brian McCann, veteran catcher. And, a guy who has plenty of experience with the Braves and the Yankees, has been in the postseason, he's worked with, with a, a lot of really talented pitchers. How much have you and McCann been able to kind of just bounce ideas off of each other and, and have, you, have you been able to learn from him about pitch selection and, and, and how,
1: what he likes to call? Yeah, definitely, and it's, it's always best when you can go out there and, and throw to him in a game and then in between innings come in and say, you know, what do you think of this sequence or here's what I was thinking in this spot, you know, what would you like to do there? Um, so yeah, we I've gotten to throw to him twice now, and you know, we've gotten to communicate a lot on those two outings, and it's it's real limited sample size, but um, I think we're on a on a good page right now, and um, I'll probably get to throw to him maybe once or twice more. I'll have Gaddis tomorrow, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's got so much knowledge and, and so much so much time in the game that it's you know hard to not learn from him around him.
0: And now Evan Gaddis, and you know, you got to you got to work with him last year in the Bay leagues. What everybody tells me about Gaddis, guys who pitch to him here with the Astros, or when he was with the Atlanta Braves, they all say the same thing about him: is he really just works hard back there. Yeah,
1: I know a, pitchers really appreciate that. Yeah, he's a bulldog back there, and, and me and him have similar mentalities when we're out on the mound. You know, we like to attack and challenge guys, and uh, you know, it's fun having a guy back there that you know is on the same page mentally and you know, energy-wise. Um, And, you know, he's good. He challenged me a lot last year. He challenged me to throw pitches in situations that I might not have been comfortable in and, you know, challenged me to do things that I'd never done before. And I actually learned a lot from him, you know. And he he gave me that confidence when you execute that pitch so you're not 100% sure and then you trust him and you go for it and you guys execute it. You know, there's that little bond that's built right there between that one pitch. So um, we had plenty of moments like that last year, and I'm looking forward to, you know, having more this year. And you bring up a good point because I've talked about this a lot with
0: Steve Sparks, my broadcast partner, former pitcher himself about, and he would talk about how, he likes to talk about how when you have a different guy catching you, and, because they'll have, everybody's different, right? Everybody has different ideas about sequences and what to throw in different situations, and he's talked about how sometimes you just have a, the backup catcher catch you one particular start, how it can almost be like a breath of fresh air, and nothing against the starting catcher, but they usually have a little bit of a different idea, and sometimes maybe get gets you to think outside of the box. Did you
1: find that? Yeah, definitely. You know, I've thrown, you know, and especially in camp last year, you know, you get whoever you get out there, you know, so um, you learn to just kind of go with the flow, and that's kind of how I've, you know, pitched the last couple years. I've I've learned to trust my catcher, and, you know, you talk so much in between starts and stuff that, you know, you feel as prepared as you can being going into the game, because, you know, you never know what he's going to call. You can't be, you know, dead on with everything, every pitch call that he makes, so, and I don't want to be out there shaking all day, so... You know, for the most part, I just tell them, you know, here's what I like, here's what I don't like, you know, we'll talk a little bit, and then when it comes game time, I just kind of roll with the punches. You know, if there's a situation where I really don't feel like it's the right pitch to throw, you know, I'll shake or we'll talk about it, but. You know, for the most part, I go out there and I trust my catcher. And, you know, I feel like whatever he's got in his mind, if I can execute the pitch where he wants it, it's going to be a good pitch. So. Uh,
0: always so much easier when you don't have to shake a whole lot and yeah. you and the catcher on the same page.
1: Yeah, and I've always been big on tempo and rhythm of the game, and I, I don't like the hitters to have a chance to get in the box and really get comfortable. So the more I can keep the tempo going and we can keep the flow going, then, you know, I'm good with that. All
0: right, so you're facing the Mets tomorrow, Port St. Lucie. Mentioned earlier, you all three of your appearances in spring, including tomorrow, have been against the New York Mets, and you mentioned how you're familiar with a lot of these guys. There's one guy in the lineup tomorrow I know you're not familiar with, at least not facing him. Tim Tebow is supposed to play tomorrow for the Mets, call up for minor league camp. He's yeah. trying his hand at, at professional baseball at, at 29. He played baseball in high school and uh, and Heisman Trophy winner as a quarterback, mm-hmm. 2007, played in the NFL. I'm sure you're familiar with Yeah, I know the guy. Yeah, you've heard yeah. of him. Uh, familiar with what he's done in, in, in his athletic career? Have you thought much about? Uh, well, first of all, I'm assuming you were aware Tebow was supposed to, play, supposed to play tomorrow. Have you thought much about how how you might pitch him? And I, if you don't want to give, yeah, no, give away no. any secrets, I understand.
1: But. I'm gonna give him some heaters. See if he can hit a fastball. All
0: right. Yeah, that's I what I
1: I've, I've watched his swing a little bit. And, you know, it's he's, he's not a he's not a baseball player. You know, he's a football right. player. So right. he's, he's trying to make the transition, and I support him 100%. Man, if he's going for it, go for it.
0: And that's uh, what uh, Rick Porcello did. He he threw him all fastballs, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I
1: mean, I I mean, I'll mix it in if I feel like I need to, but I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go at him with some fastballs until I see I need feel like I need to make a change. Could you imagine being? First of all, you're not 29 yet, but could you imagine
0: being 29 years old, not having played baseball? I think it had been over a decade for Tim Tebow. and then trying your hand at professional baseball. Yeah, and man. It's, it's amazing.
1: Time. Yeah, every, you know, we have, as baseball players have been playing this game for so long. You know, he just, I feel like he doesn't have the same baseball mind that that we do after playing for so many years. You pick up things over the years and it just becomes part of you. So, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll catch on and he'll learn throughout. I mean, he's surrounded with plenty of guys there that can, you know, that can get him in the right, in the right direction. So I think he'll be all right. Well, on the flip side, could you imagine being a, Quarterback
0: at a major Division One yeah. college. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's <a> different. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a little different. New spring training complex this year. Everything's new for everyone. Astros have been in Kissimmee for the last 30 years. Uh, first year in West Palm Beach and uh, at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches and. Uh, you've been down here since February when pitchers and catchers reported. Would, how, have, how, how have you found the complex to be? How have you found the area to be?
1: Oh, the facility is incredible. I mean, it's it's top of the line, everything. You know, everywhere you go from the food to the, you know, to the weight room, to the locker room, everything is, is top notch. In um, the area, I like the area. I mean, there's tons of restaurants here, tons of good food. The, the beaches, I mean, I'm from San Diego, you know, so I'm at the beach every day in the off season. So, yeah. you know, I was actually down at the beach today for a little bit. Um, but any chance I get, I head down to the water and you know, getting some sun. So um, I'm loving the area. You a surfer? Uh, I haven't surfed in a couple of years. Surfed in high school a bit. I haven't surfed really since I got out of out of high school. Yeah, because I know Brad Osmus,
0: a guy, he'd be down in San Diego in the off season when he played. You know, now the Detroit Tigers match that would be his off season workout. Is he would surf.
1: Yeah, Osmus, he actually lived not too far from me in this off season. He was about five minutes drive. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned, you know, the good restaurants today. Are you a restaurant guy? Are you a foodie? I am. You know, I I actually haven't looked up yet, but it's something I did with my dad last off season. Me and him used to watch Food Network all the time in the off season. You know, whenever I was home, and uh, we started watching Triple D, the diner's Drive. Oh guys. yeah. You know, so that guy's been all over the country. So everywhere I go now in different cities, you know, who always send me an email of like, you got to check out these three spots. <laughs> these are spots that he went to. You know, when he was on the road. So. uh found some good good restaurants. I haven't really looked up any out here yet, so I'll have to start uh, was, start checking out. What was the best meal you had on the road last year? Um, I went to I went to a place in Toronto with Colin um, it was called Shore Club. Shore Club. Yeah, it was right next to the the hotel we stayed out up there and it was we got in the night before our start. And me and him went over there, and we got a steak dinner and some seafood. It was incredible.
0: Now, was that a uh, that that definitely wasn't on Diners, Drive's and, no, Drives wasn't. and Dives?
1: No, it was not No, but that was the what was the best place
0: you've you've got gone to from Diners, drive and Dives?
1: I went to a place in. uh in, where was it, Memphis. It was called Rendezvous Barbecue. Okay. It was a barbecue spot when I was down in AAA. We'd stop through there, and that was that was one of my favorites. Rendezvous Barbecue in yeah. Memphis. All yeah. right.
0: Good enough for diners, drive-ins, and di- dives, and Joe Musgrove. Yeah, it's a good spot. All right. Hey, don't forget, ready to see your 2017 Astros in action? A 15-game Flex Pack is now available. 15-game Flex Pack will allow you to save money and choose which Astros games and seat locations work best for you. Visit astros.com slash For more information and to buy your perfect pack today. We'll have more with Astros pitcher Joe Musgrove as we continue with AstroLine, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, live from Duffy Sports Grill of Clematis in West Palm Beach and on the Houston Astros radio network. And so now Musgrove, who's been a starter throughout his minor league career, will come into this game. Lance McCullers departing with an apparent injury. He'll get as much time as he needs to warm up. And how fitting is it for Musgrove to get a chance, first time as a major leaguer, against the team that drafted the 2011, he was a first-rounder. Many of the 24,000-plus getting to their feet, showing their support for the rookie right-hander making his big league debut. 3-2 to Tolley. Swing and a miss. Struck him out on a breaking ball. Eight strikeouts for Joe Musgrove in his big league debut. An impressive and a third innings. He strands a pair in the ninth. And welcome back to Astro Line presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Coming to you live from Duffy Sports Grill of Clematis in downtown West Palm Beach. I'm Robert Ford joined by Astro's pitcher Joe Musgrove. Hey, next time you're looking for a great IPA, please remain calm. Carbock's Hopadillo IPA is loaded with hops from around the world for the perfect citrus character, Carbock Brewing Company Houston, Texas. Well, we just heard uh, the radio call from your Major League debut, Joe, you got called up by the Astros August 1st. The very next day, Lance McCullers leaves the game, wound up missing the rest of the season with elbow soreness, and you came on and faced the Toronto Blue Jays. Four and a third shutout innings in relief, gave up just a hit, walked one, struck out eight, set a Major League record for most strikeouts by a reliever in their big league debut. Not a, not, not a bad way to start off your career. Yeah,
1: man, that was uh, that was an incredible night. Very memorable. So you're in the bullpen, and you
0: obviously you, I mean, well, what did A.J. Hinch tell you when you arrived?
1: <clears throat> he told me that I'd be in the pen, um, but he knows, you know, he knows I'm a starter and that I'm used to that starting routine, so he was going to give me plenty of time, plenty of heads up to, to get warmed up and, you know, at least a fresh inning to go out and start a fresh inning, you know, and, and have my time to prepare. Um, that wasn't the case. No. You know, um, it's unfortunate that, you know, Lance got hurt and I had to go into the game. And I think it, it might have been best that it happened that way. You know, it gave me less time to really analyze the situation and think about it. I kind of was just thrown out in traffic, you know, and I feel like that's when you react best. So uh, you just went out there and competed. Uh, and so, you, like I mentioned, you got called the Bogus
0: first. You were with Fresno. Where were you and how did you find out that you were going to the big leagues?
1: I was in Reno. And we were actually it was a, it was during the day and we were walking around the casino, you know, was throwing a couple bucks in slot machine um, before we head to the field. Then I got a I got a text saying I wasn't starting today. So as soon as I get to the field, I go into the manager's office and Tony sits me down and tells me that they're sending me up, but I'm going to be in kind of a holding pattern because they're not sure if Fister's going to end up having the baby or not. If he has, oh that's the, right, yeah, yeah. So if he has the kid, I'm going to go pitch. If he doesn't have the kid. You know, I could come back to AAA, might stay up in the you know, so I didn't know what the situation was going to be. But I get up there, and all the way up until Monday morning, um, the night that I was supposed to start, I still wasn't really sure what was going to go down. Um, told me to come over to the field. Um, that was right after they ended up trading uh, Feldman. Right. Feldman got traded, so I took over his spot in the bullpen, and we end up going 14 innings that night. Yeah. And I'm the last guy down in the bullpen. Everyone else is, is gone. It's me in the bullpen catcher, me and Brock and Mooney. And, uh, and we're sitting there, and I'm just thinking to myself, this is, this is how I'm going to do it. You know, it's going to be the 16th inning. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> have it thrown all day and not really ready for this. Right. Um, we end up, Carlos ends up hitting a walk-off double. And uh, so I know I'm going to be the, the first arm in the next night. So that whole next night, I'm sitting in the, in the bullpen. I'm watching the game closely. You know, I'm kind of talking to guys, trying to learn, you know, trying to learn the courtesy of the bullpen. You know, I'm not really used to it down there. So right. um, trying to learn how things work and just kind of see what guys look for throughout a game. Um, and I'm talking to Brock and sure enough, someone says, hey, Lance is getting looked at. You might want to, you know, start getting warm. Uh, as I'm taking my hoodie off, phone rings, hey, you're in the game. And I got to run out there, man. And I've never been so winded in my life just getting that <laughs> run to the mound, man. Heart's racing, you know. So uh, it was pretty exciting. And that's a, a really unique situation, too, because, you know, pitcher
0: gets hurt. You're in the game you get as much time as you want to warm up. And normally, obviously, when you're warming up to come into a game, whether it's for a start or or in relief, all your warm-ups are in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. You have time to, to kind of work things out in the bullpen. No one's really watching right. you. Whereas when, you're, when you come in to replace an injured pitcher and you have to go through your entire warm-up routine yeah. in the game, and as you mentioned, you're not used to pitching out of the bullpen. So what was that experience like? I know a lot of times pitchers will rush through it because everybody's mm-hmm.
1: looking at them. How did you approach that situation in the moment? I mean, my first couple throws, my arm felt like it was already ready to go. You know, I had so much adrenaline. I couldn't even feel, you know, any any kind of stiffness. So um, at that point, I was just trying to get my stuff in a box, you know, just trying to put everything, get everything in, in one area, you know, and let's, let's go from there. So, um, you know, I wasn't concerned about the 30,000 or whatever it was watching. I was concerned about their whole dugout sitting 30 feet from me you know watching every pitch i have and that was kind of my advantage these guys hadn't seen right. me yet you know and they don't know what i have so um you know that kind of went out the window but you know my, my warm-up pitches actually were i was all over the place man you know i was i was out of the zone and the dirt out of the zone and uh it just seemed like as soon as the hitter stepped in there everything else started to slow down and you know i didn't really it was kind of like a blackout man for four innings wow wow yeah. if you keep
0: blacking out like that
1: if yeah. you keep <laughs> pitching like that
0: yeah uh now, you mentioned, you know, the Blue Jays, they didn't, they didn't know what you had. They hadn't seen you. But you, you, had, you were a first-round pick of the Blue Jays back in, in 2011. Was there anybody that you can remember who was with Toronto that game who you had played with uh, in, the, in the minor leagues? You were only in the Blue Jays' system for about a, a season and a half.
1: Yeah, yeah, there was a few guys. Um, not that through that night, but Sanchez, Aaron Sanchez, I played with him. Yeah. Um, I was with Osuna. I uh, played with Pilar, So there was quite a few guys in that in that team that I played with.
0: Did it ever cross your mind that you were making your big league debut against a team that had drafted you? Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I talked to my pops about that. You know, I said, I hope I get to go up. And I said, I could see myself making a debut against Toronto, you know, and, and just, and just dominating them. And it ended up going down like that. It, it certainly cool.
0: did. And then you know, McCullers was hurt. Wanted him going on the disabled list the next day after you made your debut. Mm-hmm. And you wound up replacing him in the rotation. And you got your first big league start uh in the thick of a playoff chase against the texas rangers Mm -hmm. on august 7th and you pitch great you got no decision but you gave up a run over seven innings was it easier to prepare for that start because you had already pitched or was it a little bit more nerve-wracking because you had more time to think about it rather than when you made the relief appearance
1: um a little bit a little bit of both you know I, i definitely did a lot more thinking about that start um but at the same time, man, I just when you get out there, it's, you know, I hadn't I hadn't really had any failure yet, so yeah. I was pretty confident, and you know, I I just went with my stuff, what I knew how to get guys out with, and um, I rode that as long as as long as I, you know, felt like I needed to, and then I got banged up a little bit against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, and uh, that was kind of when I had to sit back and really you know look at it, and make a few adjustments here and there, and, and find out what was you know going to be my path, and um, and I felt pretty good since then, man, from that point on.
0: Yeah, you mentioned you know you. Faced the Rangers, no decision, pitched well. Next start was against the Toronto Blue Jays in Toronto, August 12th. Mm -hmm. Second big league start, and you got your first big league win in that game. Gave up two runs over seven innings. And you mentioned the two starts after that, your third and fourth starts against the Orioles on the 18th of August. That was in Baltimore, and you struggled in that game. Got your first big league loss. Lost your next start Mm -hmm. uh, in Pittsburgh, August 23rd. And that one, I mean, that was an ambush. Because the first seven batters of that game, and I know you remember this. I'm not Mm -hmm. telling you anything you don't know, but... First seven batters got hits, and before you even had retired a batter, you're down 4 nothing yep. in the first inning. Um, you know, you wound up going four innings, which from what I remember about that game, was pretty remarkable considering the way things started, and yeah. you were able to save the bullpen a little bit uh, despite the the rocky start. But after those two starts, was that kind of a turning point or a wake-up
1: call for you? Yeah, yeah, you know, um, I had started really looking into, like I said, you know, after those first couple starts, you know, I felt I felt like I was cruising a little bit too much. I was like, it shouldn't be like you know. I feel like I said maybe there's something I need to look into more. So I started getting into a lot of film study and you know reading up more on the hitters and stuff. And that was always something I'd looked into, but I'd had like a real, a real, uh, a real small kind of things, few things that I would look for before a start, you know. Uh-huh. And I found myself getting really deep into it and you know starting to lose my mentality on the mound of attacking and I was kind of more getting defensive as a pitcher trying to fool guys more than just going at them and challenging them so after getting knocked around those two games you know I kind of just told myself hey man if I'm going to get beat I want to get beat you know with my best stuff that I have confidence in so I kind of went back to you know challenging guys and that you know more aggressive mentality on the mound and that seemed to get me right back to where I wanted to be Is the
0: danger sometimes of film study and film is a big part of the game today whether you're a hitter or a pitcher everybody looks at film everybody looks at video is a big part of it too understanding that okay you know these are these guys weaknesses and you want to try and attack their weaknesses but also got to focus on your strengths because their weaknesses I mean okay that's one thing but you need to do what you do best
1: absolutely yeah and I feel I mean I've always tried to stick to my strengths and not you know pitch against their weaknesses and like I said those two outings where I really got hurt I felt like that was the main thing that had changed in those outings um but yeah I mean pitching to my strengths is always is always going to be my go-to um you know I don't I feel like the confidence I have behind a pitch, when it's something that I have faith in, you know, and I'm and I, it's me attacking the guy. I feel like that's going to be a better pitch than the one that might statistically be a better pitch to throw in that situation. You know? Right, right.
0: Maybe you don't do, it, maybe you didn't do it in the heat of the moment. Maybe you did it after you you kind of stepped back and looked at your your outings. But was there any? Any players that you faced, any hitters that you faced were either in the moment or maybe afterwards you thought, man, I faced this guy. I played this with this guy in video games. or I watched this guy on TV, and here I am facing whomever. Was there anybody like that for you? Um, Adrian Belcher. Yeah.
1: You know, he, I mean, the guy's been around forever, and he's, he's one of the most impressive guys at the plate in the league right now. And, um, you know, The first couple times I faced him, I handled him pretty well, you know, no big damage. And then he started to he started to figure me out a little bit. So that was when it became a game. I was like, okay, this is a this is a dude. Now I got to figure out how I can beat this guy multiple times throughout a year, you know. And they're gonna those are the guys that we're that we're hunting down this year, you know. So I gotta I'm gonna be real prepared for him this year.
0: It seems to me, and obviously I don't pitch, but it seems to me the toughest thing about facing Beltre is. He can hit anything, and he can hit anything out of the zone. It, it could be yeah. two feet out of the zone, three feet out of the zone, and he can still crush it. I mean, yeah. he's. I mean, it's just. I don't. I just don't know how you pitch somebody yeah, his, his
1: his plate coverage is is impressive. So you know, that's that's one of those guys where you can't really try to to fool him too much. You know, you got to beat him with your best stuff. And I try to beat him in the zone. You know, I want him to swing the bat. And the less pitches he gets to see, I feel like the better that is. So if, yeah. I, if I can get him out in one or two pitches, you know, I'm going to throw you strike. It might not be where you want it or what you're looking for, but it's going to be in the zone. So if he's swinging, you know, I'm hoping to get him out in one or two pitches.
0: World Baseball Classic is going on right now, and it continues through March 22nd. Don't miss your chance to see the best players represent and compete for their country, including some of your favorite Astros. Get your tickets now at worldbaseballclassic.com. We'll have more with... Astros pitcher Joe Musgrove as Astro Line presented by Carbock Brewing Company continues live from Duffy Sports Grill in Clematis, West Palm Beach, and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. And welcome back to Astro Line presented by Carbock Brewing, coming to you live from West Palm Beach, Duffy Sports Grill of Clematis. Robert Ford here with Joe Musgrove. Astros will be celebrating Jeff Bagwell's election into the Hall of Fame. Throughout 2017, special five-game ticket package is now available. The package includes tickets to the Bagwell Hall of Fame weekend in August and access to exclusive Bagwell-themed giveaways. Visit Astros.com slash miniplans for more information. Joined by Joe Musgrove, we just heard uh, some highlights from your first big league start talked about a little earlier on August 7th against the Texas Rangers in front of uh, 33,000 plus at, at Minute Maid Park. And Astros were fighting with the Rangers trying to get into the postseason and I mean that's unlike. I mean I don't know that there's anything in the minor leagues as an amateur that really prepares you for for being in the heat of a pennant race.
1: No, not at all. You know, um, but I, I love I love situations like that. You know, I, I usually don't really feel much pressure. You know, I've always felt like pressure kind of come pressure and fear comes onto you when you know you feel unprepared for something. And um, I I take a lot of pride in the way I prepare for my uh, for my outings. So you know I feel I felt confident going in against them.
0: Got some questions from the audience, and you can tweet us at Astros. Use the hashtag #AstroLine if you have some questions for. Take it easy on me, guys. For Joe Musgrove, mm-hmm. here's a good one. This is from Chad on Twitter, who uh, wants to know your thoughts on the new um, intentional walk rule. Uh, not actually having to throw four uh, yeah, wide yeah, yeah. To, uh, to to walk a guy, A.J. Hinch, or wh- wh- whatever the, whoever the manager is, they can just make a signal from the dugout, put the guy at first base. What are your I thoughts?
1: I don't like that. You don't? You know, I think that's part of the game. You know, As easy as it is, we're pitchers, we should be able to throw four balls, you know, at half speed outside of the box. And, you know, usually the times that those those are called upon is when it's a big situation. So, you know, the pressure's on. Let's see if you can make four. All you got to do is throw four balls out there, you know. So I, I like the idea of that. I mean, I, I hope. I don't. I don't like the rule change. There's
0: some pitchers who have a lot of trouble with that. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it.
1: That, that I mean, yeah, and, and it, is, it is tough. You know, when you're when you're going max effort down in the zone and you're working at the knees and everything's down. Now you're asked to kind of just place one over here off to the side, up in the zone, out. You know, and nothing like what you've been doing for five, six innings. So um, I could see how it's tough, but that's part of the game. You know, that's if you're bad at it, we got to work on it. All right, I have another question from Matthew.
0: Who is? I might be pronouncing that name, last name wrong. My apologies, Matthew. But Matthew wants to know, uh, who was your favorite player as a kid? You grew up in San Diego. I know you're a big yeah. Padres fan. Who was your favorite player
1: as a kid? Um, you know, I, I, I loved guys like Tony Gwynn and, and Hoffman. Those guys were, were two of my, my heroes growing up. Um, you know, anytime you go to a Padres game, and, uh, you know, you, you prayed for a lead going into the ninth. You know, so you get the Hells Bells and Trevor Time, you know, so that was always really special. But my guy was Jake Peavy. Um, you know I love watching him throw and and the stuff that he had and and the way that he carried himself out on the mound you know I I always related to him just because of the emotion that he that he plays with you know and that he shows out on the mound and I always felt the same way but I never really knew that it was you know okay to really show it like that you know out at, at the big league level and watching him you know kind of assured me that it's okay to do that and that was kind of you know his style, and he and he let it ride. So yeah, I really yeah Peavy
0: wore his heart on the sleeve. like yeah. he knew what he was thinking at all times.
1: Yep, uh, and I love that about him. So that was always my guy growing up. I mean,
0: guys who have faced Jay Peavy have told me, hitters have told me that he'll be yelling at himself on the mound. Yeah, like he's just, yeah. you know, it's just he'll he'll make a bad pitch and he'll be yelling at himself. And as a hitter, you have to kind of know, all right, he's not talking to me. Yep. That's uh, but yeah, he an intense competitor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Trevor Hoffman. You got to start the uh, Futures game at Petco Park in San Diego. Uh, it wound up being less than a month before you got the big league call-up. It happened in July, right before the All-Star game. And uh, your manager, or I guess he was technically a captain of the team, was a Trevor Hoffman yep. uh, because you know they always try to get local players. And so he was uh, the captain of the U.S. team uh, for the Futures game. And it was actually Trevor Hoffman who called you to tell you that you were going to be starting the futures game. I mean, first of all, you're getting a phone call from a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's pretty neat. Yeah. It's somebody you grew up watching.
1: Yeah. And uh, I I was out at dinner with my family and a couple friends, um, just kind of enjoying a, a family dinner. And I get a call, and we're at the dinner table, so I didn't I didn't answer the phone. And then it keeps buzzing, so I look down, it's a text message, and it says, Hey, this is this is Hoppy. You know, just wanted to to talk to you for a minute. Give me a call when you got. I tell my dad, I said, Dude, I just I just ignored Hoffman's <laughs> call. I said, I got to go, I got to go. So I called him back, and uh, and he told me, he said, you know, I wanted to let you know that you're going to have to start tomorrow, and, you know, I'm really excited for you to be able to enjoy this in your hometown. And that, that was really special to me. You know, one, to get invited to a game like that was was a huge moment in my career. Um, and then on top of it, for it to be in San Diego, was just icing on the cake. You know, so many of my family and friends have been, you know, so supportive throughout this whole thing. And for me to be able to come home and play in a game that has the meaning that that game does, Um, in front of all them was extremely special to me, and and the the showing was incredible. You know, so many friends, so much family all came out to watch me, so it was really cool. That's that's really neat.
0: Was it the uh, first time you
1: got the pitch at Petco Park? That was, actually, yeah. We had had a a series in high school where it was like every third or fourth year your school would get to go play in a a little uh, exhibition game kind of at the stadium, but I never got to do it when I was in high school there. So, uh, yeah, that was my first time down there.
0: So growing up in
1: in San Diego, and I mean, that's a baseball hotbed.
0: You see so many guys uh, come out of that area. Uh, You went to Grossmont High School in San Diego, which had uh, last year at one time, at the end of the year, once you got up there, they had three guys from Grossmont High School pitching in starting rotations in the big leagues. It was you... AJ Griffin who was pitching for the Rangers, a little older than you, and Steven Brault, yep. uh, who's a young pitcher with the Pirates. Were you were you there at the same time as Brault was? Yeah, so I played with Griffin's
1: brother, Aaron. Um, I played with him a little bit okay throughout my high school career and then Brault was one year older than me, so yeah, me and him played three years together. That's that's pretty neat. But I mean
0: one high school I mean there are high schools that won't have three starting pitchers ever. Yeah, but your high school had had three starting pitchers in the big leagues at the same time in in rotations. That's that's pretty amazing. And now you got, you kind of got a late start on pitching. You didn't really start pitching until you got to high school, right?
1: Yeah, when I was about fifteen. I mean, I had thrown in a couple games as a young kid growing up through travel ball, but I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I just got on the mound and threw as hard as I could. You know? Yeah, <laughs> just took a chance. So what what led to you? Well, first of all, what positions did you play? I was a catcher, and I uh, played the corners in the infield. Okay, so what um, what led to the change? What led to getting on the mound more consistently? As a freshman, I was like 6'2", 210, and I was like, I'm getting too big to get behind the plate and squat down every game. I said, I wanna, I'm want to, i going to go pitch. I'm going to give that a shot. So, um, you know, my godfather, um, Dominic Johnson from San Diego, he, uh, he'd been a pitching coach for years. And um, I'd never worked with them. You know, I'd gone up there and spent a lot of time back there meeting guys and just watching guys throw and kind of learning the terminology and all the things that they do up there. And, uh, you know, when I was 15, we talked about it. And he said, yeah, I think now's a good time to get you up here and, you know, get you starting to throw and start really working on stuff. So at a young age, you know, anytime I pitched, it was just go out there and, you know, throw your fastball, throw a couple of changes. You know, I ne- never really threw curveballs or breaking balls or anything. Yeah. So that was when I kind of really started getting into learning how to pitch, pitch, you know, not just throw.
0: How much of an advantage do you think it was for you that you didn't really start pitching till your freshman year? So, I mean, that, that's less mileage on your arm. I mean, obviously you had a lot of catching up to do, but, uh, I mean, you wanted to be in a first-round pick a- after your senior year of high school. So, obviously, you learned pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, and, I, I mean, out of high school, I think I was a – I think it was good. I had a fresh arm, you know, um, but I was I was just a hard thrower, man. I my, my Velo was up probably a little higher than it is now in high school. Um, it was like 94, 98 probably. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I – I just got away with just challenging guys, and I think that's kind of where I I got my you know my attack mode and the, the mentality they have on the mound is just I was always bigger and stronger than everyone growing up, and you know I just took my chances in the zone. I said if I can throw it in the zone, it's you know they're not going to hit it. So I got a, I got a lot of confidence that way. But you know I don't know how much I could have really learned before high school as I can act as a pitcher. You know you're not facing yeah. good enough competition to really compare it to anything you know or relate it. So I think I chose the right time to start pitching. And even when I got drafted, I'm a completely different pitcher now than I was when I got drafted. You know, I just had a really good arm and had some good stuff. I just didn't really know how to use it that well.
0: Hey, Astros spring training games are underway. Catch all the excitement in West Palm Beach as the Astros make the new Ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Their spring training home site includes many fan-friendly and state-of-the-art amenities for fans to enjoy a game. For tickets and for more information, visit ballparkofthepalmbeaches.com. We'll have more with Astros starting pitcher Joe Musgrove as we continue on Astro Line, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, live from Duffy Sports Grill in Clematis, downtown West Palm Beach, and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. One, two, swing and a miss. Trout down on strikes. Got him on a 93-mile-an-hour fastball. What a beautiful job by Joe Musgrove. One run and seven innings pitched in line for the victory. Just the second Astros starter to go seven innings since August 27th. So a big boost for this team. And welcome back to Astro Line, presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Coming to you live from Duffy Sports Grill of Clematis in downtown West Palm Beach. Get ready, Astros fans. Baseball season's right around the corner. You can find fresh Astros merchandise for the upcoming season by visiting the Astros Team Store. Purchase customized jerseys, Astros gear, hats, and more. Visit Astros.com slash Team Store to see what's available today lots of new stuff in the team store so definitely want to make sure you check that out either in person at minute Maid park or online and of course team store down here at the ballpark of the palm beaches during spring training as well robert ford joined by astros pitcher joe musgrove our final segment of astro line presented by carback brewing company this evening and we were talking before the break about you starting to pitch when you're 15 years old started working with your your godfather uh dominic johnson and so about your godfather a little bit he um you know, family, obviously a family, uh, part of your family, and somebody that, that you've known pretty much your whole life. And somebody, he, he'd worked with a lot of different pitchers over the years, right? Yeah, tons of guys. Tons of guys. But yet, you never pitched until your freshman year. Was was it one of those things once you decided to make that switch to pitching where he was kind of like, I've been waiting for this yeah, sort
1: of thing? Yeah, yeah. I and mean, I, th- I think he had been holding off and didn't want me to come in until, you know, until I got to a certain age and a certain point where my body had kind of developed a little more. Um, so I think I think he had more control over that than I did. I didn't really even know I wanted to pitch until he brought it up. So, at one point in high school did you realize that uh, you had a
0: chance to play professional
1: baseball? I mean that had always been my dream, man. But I had a I had a tough sophomore year. Um, my dad had an illness um, that really set back a lot, you know, our whole family. Mm-hmm. And you know I ended up being ineligible that year. So, you know, that mark, I, I didn't think I was, I thought that really limited my chances at even college, you know. So that sophomore year, I think my, my mindset was more, I'm like, okay, how am I going to get these grades fixed? How am I going to get everything going back on track to get myself just into school, you know? Yeah. Um, San Diego State came along and I took that offer immediately. It was a hometown team. Like I said, my dad was sick, so I got to stay close to home and everyone could come see me play and I can kind of keep an eye on him. Um, but, you know, my junior year, I started to really flash good below. Um I had a good record that year. And that was the summer where I really started getting a lot of attention and a lot of heat from different scouts and stuff. And that, my senior year, they were, you know, 25, 30 deep at our games. And, you know, that was when I really started to see it becoming a reality for me.
0: Did you, before that 2011 draft, you were the 46th overall pick in that draft, first-round pick of the Blue Jays. Did you have any idea going into that draft that you might go in the first round? Not the
1: first round. Um, I was told somewhere between two and four you know um you know i thought there was a wild chance that maybe i could go on that first day but you know I, we didn't have a big draft party it was just me and my family and i had you know a buddy over and dominic was over and uh we're sitting there watching and um it all it just went down so fast you know we see roberto alomar walk across the the screen and, and he sits there and i heard him say joe and a couple times that day joe ross you know a couple different guys had gone that day and i kept hearing That's joe common and everyone, first name yeah every, everyone just kind of stopped for a minute and then i was like okay okay so uh but yeah, I mean it was it was it was really exciting.
0: So you get drafted by the Blue Jays, first round pick in two
1: thousand eleven. You um, did you go to the Gulf Coast League first or the Blue Field first? I did, I went to the Goldman, I hit every stop on the way. I went to Gulf Coast um, for about two months. I got there, I actually I signed the day after the draft, they came to my school and I signed in the library with my coach and a couple of my friends. Uh-huh. Um, graduated on the sixteenth of June, left the seventeenth of June and went out to go start playing. So I I was there for our first game, and I stayed all the way through, I think, like the last last days of August, and then went up for like the last two weeks while they were making a little playoff push. We went to the championship, ended up losing to Johnson City, but got a little taste of that. And that was when I was with Pilar and all those guys.
0: Well, and that's what I was going to mention. You know, I looked up that that roster for that Bluefield team in the Appalachian League that you were on. That was a lethal team. It was, and... You know, when you talk about those rookie league teams, I mean, if you get one or two guys from that team that make the big leagues, then you're doing something. I'm just talking about just get a cup of coffee, not even, like, become, like, a big league player. But on that 2011 team that you were on in Bluefield that you said made it to the championship series, you, Noah Syndergaard was on that team. Mm -hmm. Aaron Sanchez was on that team. Uh, David Rollins, who was in the Astros system, model, getting traded with yep. you over to the Astros. He was on that team. He's gotten some big league time. You mentioned Kevin Pilar. Yep. I mean, just with those pitchers alone. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was quite a, a rookie
1: ball team. Yeah, did you had, have
0: any idea how much talent there was at that time?
1: We had some dudes, and the thing is we did. I mean, we all knew that we had a really good team, and everyone was, was really confident. And uh, the chemistry on that team was like nothing I've ever I've ever played with, you know, um, just a really good group of guys. And that was real special to me because that was my first year, and that was kind of my first taste of, of real baseball. You know, the, that rookie ball league, the GCL, you know, you're playing at noon, the hottest part of the day with maybe – you know, with more more of us in the stands than there were, you know, right. more guys charting in the stands than there were fans there right, to watch. Right, right. But uh, you know, that was my first taste of real baseball, and uh, and it was incredible. You know, I'll never forget that. Now,
0: you growing up in San Diego,
1: baseball wasn't the only thing
0: you did. You went. A lot of people don't know this. I know you and I have talked about it a little bit. You went to a performing arts school. Yeah. For elementary school through sixth grade. So, was there a point where you thought that? The performing arts, acting, dancing, singing, what have you, that might be what you do with, with your
1: life? No, never. I mean really my, my, my mom my mom and, and dad, they kinda put me into it. We did um, we did a lot of theater. This like I said, it was a performing arts school, so half of our day was regular curriculum, the other half was, um, was the was the theater part, so we'd rehearse, we'd do three shows a year. And um, and I actually enjoyed it, you know, it, it was fun. I think it helped me come out of my shell a little bit and yeah. get a little more comfortable. Um, but no, I mean baseball was always my love. I mean every day I was wearing wristbands to school. I was wearing pullovers like baseball. I mean I was just a, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but um, baseball was always my love. And you know I, I was pretty good at acting. You know I wasn't I wasn't too bad at it, but it was never something I thought I would progress. You know or take farther than elementary school. You, so you acted? Did you do any singing? Any dancing? Uh, I mean I did what I had to singing. I didn't really have a great voice. Um, we did I did a tap dance. Um, a tap dance session for like a, two months we did a performance at a fairground by my house really and I'm proud of this and if Marisa and Terry, if you guys are listening I know you guys know what I'm talking about my two sisters um, we went to this thing. and we, st- we rehearsed it for two months, and we went to this, uh, this big fairground and did an event where we did our dance up there, and I was the only one out of us that didn't mess up. I nailed my dance. <laughs> so you and your two sisters. Yeah, they, uh, they're spinning the wrong directions, falling down, and I just <laughs> kept my eyes forward, big smile, kept dancing. How old were you at that time? Oh, gosh, I was young. I mean, I less, less than 10 years old. Yeah. I can't remember the exact age. But and your sisters young. are older. Yeah, a couple years. Yeah, one's 25, one's 29.
0: That uh, that's pretty incredible. You think you you could break out the tap shoes and maybe show the guys in the clubhouse something one yeah, of these days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I still know a thing or two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's really that's really neat. Uh, and your sisters are involved in the performing arts now, right?
1: Yeah, my oldest sister Marisa is a director. Now she does choreography, dance. I mean, she's she's incredible. With she with kids? Or? Yeah, with kids okay. all the way up to high school into professional theater. She works down at the Coronado Playhouse in um in San Diego. Uh uh-huh. pretty um, That's a pretty big. Uh, pretty big theater down there. Yeah. And then she does stuff as small as uh, Young Actors Theater. She works with uh, Christian Community Theater. She does our local high school. So she bounces all over. She's an angel. Um, and she's really good at what she does. Heather's sister was an athlete that went out and played D2 basketball out at, um, in Chicago. Okay. Ended up having a few injuries that shut her down. But now she's back home.
0: Wow, that's, uh, that, that's pretty neat. But, yeah, performing arts school. So it was like the elementary school version of Fame, i yeah. imagine. I don't even know if you're old enough Not to remember was. Fame. That, that was what it yeah. was.
1: Yeah, uh, Fame was our program name. Was it really? Yeah, the fine arts, magnets, and education. That That's was, uh, pretty was clever. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's pretty nice to know they watched that show out in uh, out in San Diego. Well, we're certainly glad you chose baseball, yeah. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems like it's worked out okay for you. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's been it's, yeah, it too bad. Did
0: you play any other sports?
1: Um, I played football and basketball. Um, in high school. I played a year of basketball, but it was a little too demanding of the schedule. I always, you know, chose baseball over basketball, and our coach wasn't happy with that. So um, I split off from that after our freshman year. But I did basket or I did football my sophomore, junior year, and I was pretty good. I got a couple letters from schools for football. What, did, but, what um, positions you play? I was a lineman actually. I was offensive tackle, left tackle, and a defensive end. And you said you were six-two as a freshman? Yeah. I was Cause like, you're six-five now. Yeah, right? I was 6'2", 210, and graduated at 6'5", 230, 225.
0: Yeah, I could see you as a pulling guard at, at, at a high, yeah, in a yeah, high we school. Didn't, we
1: didn't have a very big, very big team. We didn't have big boys, so I was one of our linemen. I, w- I would have liked to be like a, you know, a tight end, or I had pretty good hands. I could catch ball well, and um, I could sling it a little bit. So I wasn't as I wasn't as quick on my feet as I am now, though. So that was a little too slow to play quarterback. <laughs> well, Joe. Really good to have you here. Really glad you're with the Astros. Uh,
0: look forward to seeing your progression. I know you're gonna be in the big leagues this year, whether it's to start the year or later in the year, whatever it happens to be, but. Uh, you know, you're obviously a big part of what the Astros are trying to do, and uh, so glad you're here and, and, and continue to and are continuing to progress.
1: Yeah, man, I'm, I'm looking really forward to this year, and wherever it is that I'm that I'm called upon, you know, I'll be I'll be ready for the opportunity when it comes, and uh, you know, I'm really excited to see what happens this year. With this team.
0: All right, Astros pitcher Joe Musgrove joining us for AstroLine. Like to thank all who made the broadcast possible tonight. City of producers Bob Elliott, producer engineers Matt Bolts. Like to thank all the great people here at Duffy Sports Grill of Clematis. Make sure you come down. Down here when you're in West Palm Beach. Uh, great, great restaurant, great bar. Make sure you come and check it out. I'm Robert Fort saying so long. This has been Astraline presented by Carbach Brewing Company.